0: He nā e tēnei nā te reo irirangi o
1: this is Media Watch. I'm Colin Peacock. This week, we look at a surprising new service from Newstalk ZB, offering news and opinion for paying customers, and curated by a guy who's not only not a journalist, but who made his mark on the media as an offshore blogger, hiding behind the pseudo-name of a long-dead Archbishop of Canterbury who was eventually executed for heresy. But first, the election outcome could hang on the undecided, and now the media are zeroing in on them. But no group is more undecided and, not coincidentally, unenrolled than younger voters who actually have a lot to lose or to win. So what can our media do to engage them at election time?
2: Winston Peters can expect a call. The latest One News variant poll numbers reveal National is slipping and it'll need both ACT and New Zealand First to govern. Meanwhile, Labour's slide continues
1: and things are tight five days before early voting starts. There was Simon Dallow kicking off tbnz one News on Wednesday with, what else, the result of their latest weekly Varian opinion poll, which they paid for. And it pretty closely mirrored the Reid Research one that their rivals at NewsHub revealed two days earlier, and they took the same angle. New Zealand First attracting enough support in the poll... To make News Hub at six, imagine this scenario.
0: Both Labour and National have taken a dive. While, wait for it, Winston Peters has crossed the threshold. He is coming back to Parliament and his Kingmaker crown is sitting atop his head once more. Our political editor, Jenna Lynch, is here now with the numbers. So, Jenna, when he's back... Yes, the Kingmaker is back.
1: But no-one's really back until the election votes are in and a within-the-margin-of-error result in one survey of 1,000 people three weeks out is not enough to say that they are. On Wednesday, Act leader David Seymour told TVNZ it's way too early yet for Winston to, in his words, measure the curtains or count any chickens. And TVNZ's political editor Jessica Much Mackay told her viewers it was a reminder that small movements in support can still make a big difference when it really counts on the 14th of October. And so might
0: this. There are still 11% undecided voters, and the fact that these national voters aren't necessarily rusted in, because it was only a few months ago that Labour was actually doing OK in the polls.
1: Now, one week earlier, Jessica Much Mackay told TVNZ viewers 12% of people were still to make up their minds. And this proportion, she said, usually comes down further and faster as the voting period draws closer. And in some places, it might be even higher. In her Mata pre-election report from the Ikeraua region last week, Mihina Forbes said that polling there had found almost a third of voters were undecided in that Māori electorate, running from Gisborne all the way down to the western North Island and the Hutt Valley. And a rise in the undecided does seem to be a global trend in elections these days. Before the Spanish election in July, the share of undecided voters rose to 23%, up from 16% in the previous one in 2019. And pollsters are recording more don't-know-yets in places with elections due next year as well. Gallup recently found 49% of US adults were classed as independent, and that's an all-time high. And in the UK, the pollster YouGov found that 17% of their voters are still standing at the crossroads. But why would this be? Well, Carla Subirana, a policy analyst for the Bank of England and a writer for The Economist, recently said that the cost-of-living crisis had pushed many voters to consider alternatives that don't necessarily reflect their traditional views. She also said social media and online news sources are altering voters' opinions more because people get a faster-moving flow of morselized and often contradictory information. And with more people's political support in flux, she reckoned that parties' terms in office might become shorter in the future, undermining countries' abilities to address really long-term challenges like climate change, ageing populations, sustainability and more. But will the future really pan out like that? Well, we'll see but undecided voters becoming a decisive factor in elections is certainly on the radar of political movements and their strategists. And right now, the media here are onto it in this campaign. The undecideds are now looming large, many of the young are under-engaged, and on morning report on Wednesday, Anna Sergeant said 36% of 18 to 24-year-olds are not yet enrolled to vote, and that compares to just 2% of those over 60 years of age.
0: With much of the debate and policies aimed at the older generation, they feel their issues are not seen as important student Millie Mussett says she wants to see more young people engaged in the election. We've got friends who are just turned 18 and we talk about it. We'll be like, are you going to vote? And they're like, I don't know if I can be bothered. Because, again, it's that research thing. Like, yeah. you've got to look into it. And that's, for some people, it's like, I don't like want to do that.
2: experience.
0: 100%. Yeah.
1: Coincidentally, later that same night, Patrick Gower told News Hub at six viewers that one side of the hall for that night's Hipkins versus Luxon TV debate, which he moderated, would be filled with undecided voters. And the other side? is going to be a youth wing. All of the voters on that side will be under 25. They are the future of the country and they deserve to have a say and they will have their eagle eyes on these two leaders. But during the 90-minute tussle, those young people didn't actually have any input into it. 48 hours earlier, though, that wasn't the case when TBNZ lined up a debate in which all parliamentary parties and Wannabes New Zealand First were quizzed about the issues for millennials and Gen Z.
0: Kia ora koutou. In the supermarket today, one cabbage was $7. With that and the cost of rent, plus, of course, you know the impending doom of climate change, it can feel like a pretty shit time to be a young person. But we've got politicians here to tell us what they're going to do about it.
1: That was Anna Harcourt, the content editor of TVNZ's digital content service for younger people called RE, who hosted that debate with help from Isaac Gunson from TVNZ's digital news team. And that debate was a digital creation available on the on-demand streaming platform TVNZ+, the One News website and social media platforms including the youth favourite TikTok. But it wasn't on old-fashioned TVNZ1, which seemed a pity because even the not-quite-youth-adjacent and almost certainly non-habitual TikTok-using primetime TV viewers would have been informed and entertained, and like the other TVNZ debates, the issues up for debate were informed by Ipsos Research, which found that the top concern for those younger voters was the same one it's been for every other group so far.
0: They have shown climate change, rainbow rights and housing are a priority for young people, but the biggest issue by a landslide that came through as being on young people's minds was by far the cost of living.
1: And some of the most heated exchanges came in the debate over rainbow rights. Like this one with the Greens' Chloe Swarbrick taking on New Zealand First candidate Lee Donahue over his party's proposed ban on students using the bathrooms of their preferred gender. We're not going to accept this because there are people on the outliers that aren't just You know, really nice people. They do this for a reason.
0: I just, if you want to talk about the actual stats and the actual evidence and the actual data, what we know full well is that our trans and non binary and gender minority whānau are disproportionately represented in mental ill health, addiction, and suicide statistics. and And mate, It's driven by rhetoric from the likes of your party. No, it's not. And I expect...
1: It's driven driven by rhetoric by your party, which is encouraging it in young children. That's why we want to remove it from schools. More more kids now
2: are transgendering or or transitioning than ever before.
1: And as for those who say it's a shame that a contentious issue like this always seems to end up in too much conflict, well, it was also aired in this debate without rancour. This is what National Party MP Erica Stanford had to say about it.
0: I go into schools every day of the week, because it's my portfolio, and I ask them this question, how do you deal with it, especially in a primary school where you've got uh, a child who is gender diverse, and the schools say, well, we just deal with it. Mm-hmm. We, we have a, either use a staff bathroom or we assign them a bathroom, and yep. it's not a problem. Schools mm. are a good you model know what? for this. It's really not a problem. Mm. Um, and so I just think that it's just something that's a distraction from the really big issues around the economy and cost of living,
1: and those issues on cost of living were also discussed with candidates including Te Pāti Māori's Hannah rafferty Māpai-Clark, who is 21 years old.
0: When we still have to pay for our education fees, groceries, gas prices, it's unrealistic to survive. It shouldn't be called the cost of living, it should actually be called the cost of surviving Yowna. here in Aotearoa.
1: But at times the host, Anna Harcourt had to deploy her disciplinary buzzer.
0: Because we as a movement, our party, our people need us more than ever. 30 seconds.
1: Now the buzzer-bashing debate host Anna Harcourt there has been with TVNZ's ReNews ever since it started six years ago, making it the most comprehensive and established effort of any of our major media companies to reach younger Kiwis with news and issues. Anna, who's now content editor and her ReNews team, picked up several of this year's Voyager Awards for journalism when they were up against general mainstream news media outlets for those prizes. So this week, Hayden Donnell asked Anna Harcourt how they go about getting news to younger citizens, who are often either overlooked or hard to reach for our news media, and how she went about that debate last Monday, and does every host who needs to keep
2: them on track and on time need one of those big red buzzers? Kia ora, Anna. Welcome to Media Watch. Kia ora. First off, have you ever hosted a debate before?
0: I have never hosted a debate before.
2: What was your tactic going in? I noticed that you made extravagant use of your buzzer. Particularly yes. at the start.
0: Uh, my tactic was to have fun and the buzzer for me was part of that. I think that politics is so serious and can feel so serious and overwhelming, but a debate can also be fun and a bit silly. Um, and I had started a series on TikTok, Politics in 60 Seconds, where I explained different political parties' policies in 60 seconds uh, and I have this like obnoxious timer on my face counting down to the 60 seconds it's just taking the the seriousness of um policy with like a dumb gag of trying to actually explain it all in 60 seconds maybe about a month or two ago and it really blew up it's gotten hundreds of thousands of views and I thought well what's a what's a you know how do we bring some of the kind of the the dumb fun in and I was like I want my buzzer
2: where did you get the buzzer from? Like, did you have to nick it out of the old set for Wheel of Fortune or something? Go rummaging around in the TVNZ basement?
0: Our uh, producer for the debate, Caitlin McGee, ordered it online. <laughs> yeah. Did
2: you test the the buzzer sound before you did that? Did you want a particularly obnoxious buzzer?
0: The buzzers only arrived on the. Day, maybe the day before, uh, we we thought the buzzer was never going to make it, but it showed up just in time, just in the it's nick of time.
2: TVNZ back in the days of Wheel of Fortune, Sale of the Century, they would have had dozens of buzzers lying around. Now you now you can't even get a get your hands on a buzzer. No, I disagree.
0: We well we were we were, we were able to order a buzzer and the buzzer arrived.
2: That's that's the company line for sure, but I would say that TVNZ <laughs> has definitely let itself down in this area.
0: I'm certain there's probably buzzers all through the building. Um, I wouldn't know where to find them.
2: Okay. It was a really attention-grabbing debate. It was fiery at times, and I know you can't really be objective on this, but what was your assessment of how it went?
0: Uh, it's really enjoyable having the six political parties, um, being able to get that range of opinion and, uh, you know, that helps make it, like you say, it helps make it fiery. Um, I also think it makes it hopefully useful for younger viewers for people who maybe don't already know heaps about politics um you know seen you know shared on instagram and things like that some people saying oh you know i watched this with a 20 year old that i know who you know who's a first-time voter and who 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 hasn't already engaged with this stuff and that actually this was a really helpful kind of like one hour way to get a good sense of what each party is putting forward for younger voters Which is what I was really, really, really hoping that it would be.
2: These multi-party debates don't necessarily get the same platform and the same audience. For instance, (laughs) this one was just on the TVNZ Plus platform, which is really successful and well watched. But should it have had an audience on, on linear TV as well? Should it have been on TV One?
0: The idea behind it is we were trying to target younger voters and younger audience members and the reality is they watch things on the internet for us it was really important that we live streamed it on tiktok you know we got thousands of viewers watching it on tiktok and um you know there was people in the studio control room making it so that it was you know the live broadcast which is in like a landscape format in live time reconfiguring it so that it's in a vertical format so that it's really easy and nice to watch just on your phone um we had the live stream on the renews YouTube which is also now getting you know tens of thousands of views and the people that I know the people my age and younger aren't engaging with broadcast linear television they watch everything on their phones or everything online so that was the, the idea behind it
2: but watching it and hearing some of the arguments that were advanced they were really coherent they were eloquently expressed and I thought they're probably better than some of the ones at the Chris versus Chris debates. And honestly, an older linear TV audience could have benefited from hearing these.
0: I think there's always um, room for older audiences to pay attention to what younger people are thinking and feeling. Um, so I, I definitely hear your point on that. I think that um, for older audiences, older, or, or, I mean, maybe older audiences should be paying uh, uh, attention to what political parties are promising younger voters because it is the younger voters who are going to you know be living with the consequences for a longer time.
2: Younger voters I think it's 61 percent or 64 percent are enrolled to vote at the moment compared to 90 plus and all of the older demographics. Because of that uh, youth issues are seen as niche then they don't get the same coverage and then youth participation lowers again. Is it kind of a vicious cycle?
0: Yeah, I don't know what the solution to increasing youth voter turnout is, and it's something that people have asked me. I have to be focused on putting good, useful, credible information in the places that young people already are. They're spending their time on TikTok. Okay, well, TikTok, sometimes it can be a pit of misinformation and, like, stupid dance videos. But actually, it's also uh, 40% of Gen Z are now using TikTok as a search engine instead of Google. They're not even using Google. People are there. They're looking for information. They're looking for useful, credible information. And if I can help put useful, credible information, the policies from from, from, from political parties ac- across the spectrum, if I can put that on TikTok, and if hundreds of thousands of people can watch it and engage with it, then that's uh, my hope that that will be useful in getting young people engaged in politics.
2: Do you think part of the problem is that lots of people don't have that attitude? They think when they're serving young people, it's about putting wacky stuff up or just entertainment-focused stuff. And they're not treating youth with enough respect as really serious political actors who care about serious topics.
0: I definitely think that with re that's kind of like our entire driving force is, is taking it seriously but doing it in a way in a tone and in a format and in a location um that resonates with younger audiences so we've always believed well not even believe just known we've always known that younger audiences or younger people in New Zealand really care about politics, really care about current events, really care about the world. Um, and, I mean, it's evidenced even with things like school strike for climate, you know, like it was the 16-year-olds who are who marching in the streets by the thousands um, for climate change. You know, like uh, that's a very significant sign that young people do care about the world just because they're not subscribing to newspapers doesn't mean they don't care and that they're not interested. Uh, And so it's our job to make sure that we are putting the news and current events uh, information in a place that they'll they'll interact with it.
2: You mentioned (laughs) climate change. Now, that that reminded me of one of the exchanges that we had on stage. Lee Donahue from NZ First who answered a question about whether he was worried about dying in a climate disaster with the fact that he'd been struck by lightning at an Iron Maiden concert.
0: Are you afraid of dying in an extreme weather event caused by climate change?
2: No, I'm not afraid. (laughs)
0: You've been, I have to ask, what?
1: Yeah, I was in Rome uh, with a friend of mine. We went to an Iron Maiden Maiden concert (laughs) and uh, we were walking over this bridge and I was like, wow, look at that lightning. That's pretty cool.
2: BAM! And uh, yeah, Not climate change
0: related, but that is is a a very interesting story. (laughs) Thank
2: you. (laughs) It was an odd dynamic, though, wasn't it, where you had these five quite serious politicians and then it seemed that he was almost a figure of fun at some points.
0: The lightning moment was... I, I did not see that coming. I uh, well, Neither did I,
2: he. Well, you never see lightning coming. You don't
0: see it coming until it hits you. Um so many politicians. It turns out three politicians uh, have been hit by lightning. Uh, you know, Maureen Pugh from National has been hit by lightning three times. Labour's Aisha Viral has been hit by lightning as well. I've never met a person in my entire life ever who's been hit by lightning. So uh, that was very interesting to me. So the stats have been on hit by lightning, by lightning. <laughs>
2: strike victims in New Zealand Parliament compared to the general population has to be so out of whack.
0: It's definitely um, a, p- a topic for a researcher, some academic somewhere. Can you look into that? Because I'm, I'm definitely interested.
2: Because uh, actually, a lot of the debate ended up centering on Lee Donohue in a way, because he was so out of place. He, he was obviously de- defending his party leader's views on trans issues and bathrooms and all this sort of stuff. So, w- was that quite a difficult thing to handle?
0: Well, it was up to the parties who they put forward. So we, it was really important to us that the parties put forward um, their. Candidates, rather than, like for example, their youth wing uh, leaders, um, we really wanted it to the parties to be putting forward their the MPs or their um, you know hopeful MPs, because we want uh, politicians politicians to be taking a youth debate seriously and be taking youth voters seriously. So the the nature of the political views at them at the moment across the parties really meant that you did end up with those kind of fiery moments between Greens and between New Zealand First.
2: Some of these debates, they'll have like a member of the public asking a question. You made use of some of Ree's past reporting, right? So instead of audience questions, sometimes you had your own clips, your own news reports.
0: Yeah, we wanted to be able to show, I guess, some of the human face of the issues that we're talking about. Um, You know, when we're talking about climate change, we opened that segment with the story of... Jaden, who's a young person whose house got completely destroyed uh, by Cyclone Gabriel. You know, he lives in Napier and uh, the video is him walking through his completely destroyed, uninhabitable house and talking about the climate anxiety that he now experiences you know the panic that rises up in him every time it rains now during the you know the cost of living segment we played a piece talking to young pacifica high school students in auckland who are working some of them up to 50 hours a week as well as going to high school doing overnight shifts and trying to show up for school in the morning i work approximately 25 26 hours a week i work 25 to 30 hours per week. I work 25 to 30 per hours a week. The most hours I've worked in a week would approximately be 47. Last week I worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. The most
2: I've ever worked was 40 to 50 hours a week. My um, shift started at 5 and we finished at 10.30 or 11.30. With my dad um, I started at
0: 10.
2: Now, RNZ is making its own forays into youth programming with tahi and stuff like that. We don't exactly have the youngest audience or the most diverse audience. Now, is re at TVNZ a bit of a template to follow? And what are the lessons there? Is it that if you're making youth program, it doesn't have to be light or fluffy, that serious issues really in demand...
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely can't. It's not for me to say what exactly any organisation should or shouldn't do. I think the sweet spot really is that we found is in the balance between serious and light. So the topics that we deal with, the you know news reporting that we do, the current affairs that we do, you know our long form documentary series, we take on, you know, big topics. Um, the. The, the climate change impact of our dairy industry, that kind of thing. But we also try and do it in a way that isn't just like, oh, it's very serious time, time to be very serious now. Um, you know, we still let ourselves be ourselves and if there is something fun and we can do something fun or if there is a, you know, with my Politics in 60 Seconds um, TikTok series, it's serious content but it can have a little bit more of like the dumb gag of trying to do the 60 second timer and, you know, I just film that in my own house just wearing whatever, you know, tracksuit that I happen to be wearing that day. I think that there is a Real power in taking uh, serious topics, but balancing that with a, a lighter treatment. Previous generations found authority in formality. The, the, the authority figures, whether they be politicians or police officers or, or uh, anyone, a serious man in a suit speaking formally, speaking, perhaps sometimes you know putting on a, a, a you know a, a serious or a serious voice. Younger audiences find that inauthentic. They think, oh, that's not how you actually talk. That's not, actually what, you, that's not what you wear on the weekend, is it? Uh, younger audiences find authenticity to be credible. So they find someone who's talking the way that they normally talk, who's wearing what they normally wear, who's in the place that they normally are in. Uh, they find that believable.
2: Don't be cringe.
0: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's hard it to not be cringe. Is it cringe to be an
2: old man on the radio talking about cringe for young people?
0: Yeah, I definitely. I mean, there will definitely be people who think that I'm I'm cringe. But also, um, there's a (laughs) saying that I heard: um, "Don't kill the part of you that is cringe. Kill the part of you that cringes." And that's just what I try to think whenever I'm worried that I'm being like, "Oh, am I being lame or embarrassing?" Yeah, I probably am. But like, whatever.
2: Okay. Well, there's some really useful lessons there. Anna, you've been at RE since it started about six years ago. It's probably the most comprehensive service catering to youth audiences from any media outlet. Do you think that every media organisation needs to have its own version of RE?
0: I can't necessarily say whether every organisation needs its own version of RE, but every organisation absolutely needs to be thinking about their future audiences. And if they have an audience base who is ageing, how are they going to engage with the digital generation? How are they going to make sure that the generations to come and the decades to come, not only how are they keeping their audiences, but also how are, how is New Zealand going to stay informed? How are younger people or digital users going to be informed about their world? How are they going to be getting their news and uh, current affairs information? Um, I also think it's really, really important for organisations to back their younger ventures I think that places have you know uh, one of the things that's made re so successful is number one I think we do genuinely have really good ideas and we keep experimenting we keep trying we keep learning Uh, but also TVNZ has really backed us and even if new things aren't perfect even if they're getting criticized it's really important to still just just keep on on persevering.
2: Not the same, right, but that was a criticism with Today FM when it ended, they said, well you didn 't even give us a chance to try and to sort out all of the early wrinkles
0: yeah, my heart really breaks for for, new, for, for people who are trying new ventures uh, and when you know when people just kind of want to want to you know really criticize them and tear them down because I know what it 's like to start a new Media platform, like when we started ReNews, we were trying something completely new. Some things didn't work, some things worked amazingly. You have to be able to, not every single story went viral, but a whole bunch of them did, and so we learned from that. We go, okay, cool, so this is what's working. Yeah, you have to be able to to back new new vehicles for um, engaging younger audiences because if we aren't allowed to to try and keep trying, then I, I do worry about about the future of media in New Zealand.
2: Thank you so much for joining me, Anna.
0: Thank you very much.
2: That was Anna
1: Harcourt, the content editor at ReNews, which is TVNZ's digital service targeting younger Kiwis with news and content on the media platforms they usually use. And last Wednesday, she hosted a lively and informative youth-focused election debate, along with Isaac Gunson from TVNZ's digital news team. If you missed it, you'll find it on TVNZ Plus in the Your Vote section of the app or the website, which itself is pretty hard to miss now that the election campaign is in full swing.